Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Matt D. Fothery, Lee Boyd, and Rob Beller. Hey, podcast world. Welcome. That's right. Welcome to another amazing or stupendous, remarkable episode of FNO InsureTech. There he is, ladies and gentlemen. Hi. The esteemed co the esteemed co-host of FNO InsureTech, Mr. Lee Boyd. Yeah. And I'm with the other guy, Rob <laughs> Feller. Also known as the co-host. Our host. Okay. We haven't kind of we haven't explored the host co-host relationship lately. No. Maybe maybe we should episodes. Let's move on. Yeah. So today's episode is particularly stupendous. And you want to know why that is? I would love to know. Can you tell me? We have on a a somebody from a company who is a household name in America that no one associates with insurance. But okay. is very, very, very deep in the insurance vertical. Okay, I'm on the ed- edge of my seat. Really? Is that what's? Is that what you're doing? No, hold on. Okay, now okay. I am. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, this is going to be a super interview. Oh, it's going to be super. It's going to be. I guarantee, without question, it is going to be a super interview. I bet the guy we talked to is a super. Good talker. He is a super smart guy, a super informative guy, a super nice guy, and super tolerant to put up with us giving him a hard time like this. Yeah, super knowledgeable. Today we have on Tom Super. Oh, I see what you did there. These things just, they don't get by you anymore (laughs) the way they used to. Tom Super, the head of insurance at J.D. Power. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Did you know that J.D. Power was deeply involved in insurance? Mm, I did a little bit. I didn't know how much, and I didn't know how big of a deal they were in it. And do you want to know why they're so deeply involved in insurance? Of course. Data. 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 They're a data company, aren't they, Lee? Yeah, it's kind of like the underlying theme here of this whole insure tech. Everything's about data. Data, data, data. Mm Mm-hmm. Slicing, dicing, using, mm-hmm. gaining insights, and that's a word that you'll hear Tom use many times during our conversation today is the word insight because they create insights out of their massive data pool that they've put together. Yeah, I think Tom will be able to tell us a little bit about what drives customers to insurance carriers. You know, What are customers looking for? Uh, what holds them there, uh, and I think hopefully we'll get to talk a little bit about uh, is all of that advertising that those giant companies do, is it worth it? Uh, so yeah. I'm very excited about learning, is it is it worth it? Yes. Many insights are about to come your way in this super interview that is going to start in just a matter of seconds. Super so, duper. Oh, look at that. Mm-hmm. So without further ado... Let's go to our interview with Tom Super, head of insurance at J.D. Power. 
Hey, everybody. We are here with a very special guest, a guest that I think Lee and I can agree we never thought we would be able to wrangle yeah. <laughs> somebody like this. Um, and I want to take full responsibility for it. Uh, yeah, I would. I would expect nothing less. I think it's. I think it's my fault that it yeah, happened. Yeah, it's all all you. Um, all me. But but seriously, we have Tom Super on with us. Who, for those of you who don't know, is the head of PNC Insurance at JD Power. So, in other words, a, a really big cog in the JD Power wheel, uh, in particular to do with insurance, which of course is what we're interested in here and. Welcome to the show, Tom. We're honored to have you. Well, likewise. Thank, thanks, guys, for having me on. I've been a big fan of your show and, and pleasure to join your, your podcast. Thank you. We're thrilled to have you, and we'll we'll grind you through the mill here over the next half an hour or so and, and hear all about you. For those people who live under rocks or in caves, mm-hmm. and tell us, what what is J.D. Power, who you work for? Sure. So J.D. Power prides itself on being the voice of the consumer. We are the voice of the consumer in a particular area for the insurance industry. Uh, we work with every one of the top 20 insurance carriers in the U.S. We collect over a million customer interactions every year across the insurance value chain. We basically interpret those results and make that available to both consumers and carriers, consumers to make better and more informed choices about their insurance carrier and then uh, with carriers themselves so they can improve the value of their products and services for the customers they serve. Now, every year you guys publish a list of the top PNC companies. Is that right? Correct. We, we do. We produce several studies at different elements of the value chain. So we have studies that focus on shopping and customer acquisition satisfaction. We have claim satisfaction. We have even digital. And we provide a set of rankings of top performing carriers across each of those different elements. Let's talk about the digital one real quickly. I just want to pick that one out. Do you find the same companies kind of rate similarly? If they're really strong in one matrix, are they that way in another? There really is a good deal of variance. Um, We have seen over the last year, and one major theme to emerge across a number of our studies has been the rise of direct-to-consumer services and, and the progress that they've made beyond just being a monoline, price-sensitive-based uh, carrier to moving up market to try to mimic the digital experience to be that similar to, to offline experiences with an agent. So we do see what we do see is carriers that have carved out various niches in the market and what they want to excel in, being able to move up or down in the rankings based on those priorities that they set as a business. So when it comes to digital performance, Geico scored uh, top when it came to service satisfaction. You would expect someone that doesn't prioritize digital as highly as a direct-to-consumer may, may not score as highly. And they might do well in another study that is more focused on an area for which they want to differentiate themselves. I was thinking the same thing. I was wondering how the direct-to-consumer, quote-unquote, insure-tech insurers are grading out against the incumbent insurers. They don't probably come up on all the different measures, but certainly on digital experience, I would expect them to grade very high. Is that what occurred? 
one of the major themes is, is the ability that particularly Geico and Progressive have been able to deliver in terms of meeting customer expectations. And, and, and that's really reflective in the movement market share. So over the last year, both Geico and Progressive have taken over 88% of all new premium growth in the industry. So you're seeing a high level of, of concentration among a select few carriers that are that are delivering against those customer expectations. And as the industry, right, one of the major themes that we've seen is insurance behaving more as a consumer good, right, around giving consumers more choice in the selection and servicing of their policies, right? You can go in and interact. It's functioning uh, much more like a consumer good. And, you know, things like power of brand is becoming more important. And you see customers making making that pivot to, to these larger insurance companies. So, yeah, to your point, uh, we have seen a, a step improvement for a lot of the major direct carriers being able to kind of mimic in many ways the agent-based experience online. In fact, you can see it in the efforts that have been made over the last 18, 24 months, just in terms of the advertising messaging, has been on you know, multi-line bundled home and auto. These are, uh, you know, if you think about the origin of where Direct came from, uh, it started monoline auto. And as they consolidated those shoppers, they sought to grow at that same level. And in order to do that, they, they've looked to move up market uh, to where some of the larger mutuals or agent-based carriers have, have performed well traditionally. But uh, your point is bang on. That is a, it's a trend that has been predicted by a lot of industry insiders around the, the coming disruption that is being performed by uh, particularly Progressive and Geico. And, and we're starting to see that come to pass in terms of the customer satisfaction scores and the similarities in terms of the expectations and experiences that customers are getting from both direct and in offline channels. So you're saying that the companies like Progressive and Geico are taking newer premiums. They are growing. I mean, are they able to hold on to all of their policyholders that they signed from last year? I mean, are they actually growing as a company? I know that they're getting more dollars up front, but what is their average tenure in the industry? Are, are they able to hold on to the policyholders? Yeah, so that's a great question. They've traditionally struggled when it comes to measures of retention, but those are been concerted efforts that are being made around that. So if you look at some of the public documents that Progressive puts out, and they're very forthcoming around their strategies, one of the things that they really focus on is bending the PLE curve, the customer lifetime value, if, if you will, of the customer relationship. And as they've been able to uh, bring on a different type of customer that has more assets, that has, you know, not only an auto, but has a home, has a specialty. Therefore, you know, you see a lot of motorcycle um, messaging in their commercials because if you've got a motorcycle, you're more than likely have, have a home and auto as well. Um, so as they uh, expand their consumer base to move and attract what we call internally high value customers. They're customers that spend more, have higher profitability, have, have uh, better payback cycles. They've been able to improve their retention rates over, over that period. They still lag some of the industry leaders, especially those uh, that, that serve regional niche, uh, niche markets 
uh, carriers like uh, Erie and, and some others that have really excelled in the areas of retention. But um, they have certainly, they're closing the gap and making strides when it comes to uh, being able to, to not only bring in new business, but also retain on the back end. Yeah, on bringing in new business, what are they doing? Is it just that direct-to-consumer? Is it just the ease of use? Or is it the actual brand awareness? Is it the advertising dollars? You know, what? why do you think that they're signing up? Or is it cost, right? Why are they bringing in new dollars and people switching to them? What do you think the main driver is there? Well, it's it's a confluence of all those things. But at the heart of it, it really is cost. They have okay. a strategic advantage when it comes to the cost of acquisition, they are operating at an expense base that is about 10 points below IA. Oh my gosh. Yeah, an exclusive. That's base. an enormous number. Yeah, it's, it's huge. It's huge. And basically, what they're able to do is reallocate dollars that can go into things like advertising, right? It can go into capability enhancement or, or, or competitive pricing while remaining at a, at a lower cost base than some of their competitors, right? So it's, it's certainly something that many of the large carriers have come to recognize. And there's been a push across the industry to, 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 to try to bring that better in the line. But that has been a strategic advantage that has allowed them to, you can see, allocate more dollars into things like advertising uh, that is uh-huh. to drive more consumers to their brand, which... Basically, some of the other elements that we talked about, these environmental conditions of consumers having more power in the, in, in the shopping process than ever before, right? They may have not had a, a big of impact if we look at the situation, let's say, 20 years ago, where people didn't have as much choice, didn't have online capabilities, et cetera, to be able to, to shop multiple carriers in, in a short period of time. So. Just the environmental conditions plus with those strategic cost advantages have allowed them to excel and really outpace everyone else. So 15% in 15 minutes, you might <laughs> yeah. say. That's, and, right. And, <laughs> That's right. But the bottom line is because they have a lower expense structure, they can offer a lower premium. That's right. We had a guest on who we've referenced several times, Sheffi Benhuda from Coverager, who said that insurance is all about, I'm paraphrasing, so forgive me, Sheffy, but insurance is all about cost. It's all about the price. That's what, that is the number one consideration. Do you agree with that? Does your data support that? So our data says the price is a big factor. Um, and also we, we look at it a couple of different ways. One is that we look at what is important to customers at each point in the acquisition funnel. So there's no doubt that Price is a big factor, especially when it comes to closing a consumer. So when you are sitting down and making a choice between two like brands, price is often a differentiator for many different consumers. But price isn't the only factor. Because if price was the only factor, you would say this is a commodity-based business and you would have just more non-standards and kind of less less reputable type of brands taking off. And we don't see that, right? So brand matters, execution matters, the word of mouth matters, all those popularity, those factors. So we look at, you know, a good brand helps get customers in the door and, and a competitive price helps you close that business. Um, sure. And that's that's been a big factor. But when it comes to where we see driving churn in the market, 
price is a big factor. If you, if you don't get that right, you're going to create a shopper. You're going to have retention issues, you know, both in terms of how much rate you're taking and the frequency at which you're taking rate. But it's also um, an extension of execution. We see a lot of really unforced errors that are being made by the insurance industry that is just making customers dissatisfied and pushing them out the door. Um, and if they can course correct on that, that, that would help uh, or, you know, remedy some of those issues as well. You know, it's interesting because I'm in a shopping mode right now because of my auto insurance. And I know that that's, you know, one of the areas that you cover in, in great depth. And the, the issue is, is that my auto insurance, I believe is expensive and it's with a, a major, a top 10 insurer and it's sold through an independent agent. And I've spoken to the independent agent a few times and I'm like, you know, Hey, I just feel like I'm paying too much. I've seen advertisements that, you know, could save me more money. I'm, I'm way more cost sensitive on my auto insurance. And it's a very interesting thing because like I want to change, but my wife kind of doesn't want to change because she likes the agents so much, even though we never, I couldn't pick them out of a lineup. I don't know what they look like. We've only ever spoken on the phone. They're very nice and they're, they take care of us whenever we have a problem, but she wants to hold on because of the agent, right? She doesn't want to take that from them. I want to switch because I know in the business that because of the business I'm in that there's better prices out there. Is that what you see that auto is more attractive to shopping than property? And if so, why is that? Well, I think that's a, that's a good question. So a couple of things. One is that not all consumers are the same, right? So we, we do a lot of segmentation. So what you, what you described around your wife, she may be more inclined to have an agent. Right? And we look at some of those attitudinal and, and psychographic factors of what she seeks for, what she's looking for in an insurance relationship. There are, other, there are some that value the relationship of an agent, seek advice and counsel, want someone in the local community, all those different uh, factors. Others are, hey, I'm just a self-service person. Just I don't want to mess with it. Um, I can manage the entire relationship online. Um, so it, it, it varies a great deal. Um, but across the board, we do see that brand, you know, it's when you talked about going in the shopping experience, brand really matters, right? So, you know, whether or not you, you go to an agent, you go to a website, you often start with the brand as the first step in the process. And that's why you see one of the major factors, why you see so much, uh, uh spend that's being put in the market today, much more. Then you know, it's twice the rate than it was 10 years ago and continues to increase. We're at $9 billion now annually for the industry. It's because they know that as consumers have more and more, more power, it's being captured as unaided awareness. It really influences your ability to win that consumer. We see, in fact, um, if you are a part of that limited uh, un unaided awareness consideration set, your likelihood to win that customer is four times a success rate. So, uh, so that just on that side note, that's, that's very powerful, but the difference between property and auto, you have also very different uh, consumer factors that are involved there as well. Often property-based consumers uh, look very different than a, a model line auto-based consumer and often look in 
and are expecting different things from an insurance company. So, um, so and, and this is some that goes to some of the analysis that we do around some segmentation of the market. Uh, there are uh, the monoline auto consumers tend to be younger. Uh, they tend to be more price sensitive. Uh, those that are home or property based tend to have more assets, tend to have higher credit scores, tend to seek better quality uh, based insurance. And so there are different shopping experiences and another layer of complexity, which we talk to a number of our clients around, is that the online or digital experience start off very strongly around serving the, the model line consumer and is now evolving to provide a similar experience uh, for the multi-line consumer. So if you think about it today, right, if if you go to shop for your experience and you've got a home, auto, let's say a life policy, uh, maybe a specialty product, to manage that entire relationship online is extremely difficult today. But that gap is closing, right? You're seeing a lot more investment across all, all different insurance carriers to replicate the ease of um, of the agent experience through digital channels. And uh, and that's one of the reasons why, as we alluded to earlier, we're starting to see the capability gap close among some of the direct carriers because they've made equal investments to be able to move our move up market and capture capture that segment. So, as companies invest in technology associated with insurance, insure tech, you know, what are you doing with that? Are y'all grading them? What are you doing with that, and how are you tracing that? Yeah, you know, insure techs are, are something that we've started to report on more frequently over the last several years. And the reason why is one of the things that, you know, alluded to at the top of the call, just around our methodology, right? We, we go out, we collect uh, consumer experiences every year. Often, to be quite honest, while it created a lot of industry attention, it didn't create enough market share to come up on our radar. But that's starting to change, right? You're starting to see some of the large insure techs gaining ground, you know, uh, gaining share, and, and we're starting to pick them up in the broader consumer set uh, when we do our data collection. And we grade them and evaluate them as we do every other carrier that we profile in our study. Uh, so we look at their capabilities around being able to attract new business, their ability around digital capabilities. And, a lot of uh, interesting insights have emerged around how they're performing vis-a-vis uh, some of the other incumbents in, in different categories, all the way through the claims process. So the overall take that we, we've had on, on that experience in collecting them is that you know we are you know broadly speaking fans of InsureTax. We think that um, they're bringing a lot of needed innovation to the industry. They're adding value across uh, different elements of the, of the value chain. And they're also serving a, a segment of the market that's been traditionally underserved, right, by, by these mass market carriers. So, you know, t- tend to be less brand sensitive, more focused on digital first interactions and, and things like that. So we, we think it's a healthy introduction. And there's a lot of value that they're bringing to the market that's much needed in, as we the industry is not the most, the fastest moving industry in the world. So uh, yeah. any breath of fresh air is, is certainly welcome. Whenever I think of insured techs, I think of companies like Hippo and Lemonade and Swift. But some people, 
and probably myself included, think of Geico and Progressive. Would J.D. Powers consider Geico and Progressive a insured tech? Well, yeah, I mean, it depends on your your definition. Uh, when, when we traditionally think about insurtechs, we think about really the, those new brands that have been carved out mainly out of the fintech phenomenon. Mm-hmm. But because one of the things with, you know, some of the, what you mentioned, maybe Geico, Progressive, Progressive, half of their growth is coming from independent agents. So, you know, they often are thought of as exclusively a direct to consumer, but that's not the case there. So, yeah, I mean, we look at, you know, many of the brands that you mentioned, Hippo, have had, you know, big fans of of Asif and, and his team over there at Hippo. And yeah. Made Metro Mile, some of the also the startups that that the incumbent brands have started up too. So High Road, there's State Farm, Toggle, which is a farmers insurance branded product. So yeah, we've kept our pulse on what's happening there, and uh, our traditional definition is is those that have really grown out of the and are kind of digital first interactions, um, and um, and that's why we classify those more in the insure tech space. So I want to turn a corner for a second and talk about who this crazy guy is that we're talking to today. Let's talk about Super Tom. You are an insurance guy? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm an insurance geek. There's, there's <laughs> okay. Okay, Seeley, the man called himself a geek. He did. Would and, you call yourself is- a nerd, Tom? Yeah, I think nerd as well. Okay. Insurance nerd. Okay. As I said, as I said, if people call themselves a nerd, it's always okay. But you can't assume that you can call somebody a nerd and it be okay. Okay. Well, watch this. So, Tom, you're an insurance kind of. You're a nerd. Go ahead. Tell us. Tell us about your background. Yeah. Well, I mean, to that, to that, just to finish up, because I'm very passionate around that. If if I could, you know, have a beer with someone and just talk insurance speak. <laughs> over a beer, and you know, uh, you know, that's where I want to be. So there you go. If being geeking out or nerding out, I, I welcome that. You welcome it. Yep, that would be a <laughs> insurance nerd at its heart. <laughs> that's right. Been with JD Power, head of their property and casualty practice. We've been here for about three years uh, now. Uh, I was director of strategy with Farmers Insurance for about nine years uh, in Los Angeles. Prior to joining JD Power, I was also a uh, client of JD Powers before joining. Uh, previous to that, I was a uh, strategy consultant with uh, Booz Allen Hamilton, focused mainly on the insurance space and served property and casualty, some commercial, some surety businesses, but mainly domestic. And that goes back to the early 2000s. So, yeah, 15 years now in the industry and uh it's it's been an interesting ride, and uh, joining JD Powers was a was a welcome endeavor. Just being like that, I was on the client side, and one of, one of the most fascinating things is I knew of them as the awards and rankings company, right? Mm-hmm. That's what most people think of them. Right, right. I mean, it's it's we're the trophy company, right? Right. And when you see that right, with with the commercials, especially all the auto insurance uh, or just the auto commercials out there, but what what has been one of the most interesting aspects of my job is really uncovering the fact that yeah they do these awards but in order to provide these awards they have to collect data uh, consumer data to, to be able to inform those decisions and and they've been doing this for twenty years right mm-hmm. so 
sitting on this Trevor treasure trove of basically customer preferences, customer interactions, what's worked, what's not. And we're starting to make that more accessible, more available and, and moving just beyond kind of the trophy and ranking rankings company. So yeah, it, it's been, it's been an exciting three years and I'm very bullish on, on where we're, where we're at in the industry, especially with everything that's happening around data led AI led insights. And we want to be a part of those discussions. And we want to hear more about that, but I have to digress for one second. You left one resume point off, which uh, is particularly unique and unusual. The White House. You mean that White House as in Washington, D.C. White House, right? I did. Yeah. I, you know, my undergrad is not in insurance. Very few kids that grow up wanting to grow up to be the, the insurance person. Uh, but I, I studied government. And I was fortunate to have one of my first opportunities uh, post undergrad with with a uh, as an aide in the White House. I was a glorified, uh, I would say, coffee runner. Okay. Um, things I worked in the uh, economics department. I also supported OMB, which was the Office of Management and Budget. Yeah. So that you know, being a Midwest guy. You know, from outside Chicago, a political family, the opportunity to serve in some small capacity was was, was really a great honor, and, and I'm very thankful for that experience. Well, I'd like to ask you about JD Powers and something I've always wondered: How does JD Powers make money? You know, I've always looked at the awards and I've looked at the surveys, and I thought, how, I mean, how do they make money? Yeah, so we we collect every year all these consumer interactions. We have a B2C and a B2B business. So JD Power serves a number of different industries. Auto is by and afar our largest business. We have deep relationships with all the major OEMs and insurance also is a uh, is a very sizable part of what JD Power does. We, in the, in the effort of collecting all of these consumer experiences, we roll those up into a series of uh, surveys and sure. studies that we produce every year. On average, we produce about 10 uh, studies a year that evaluates customer experiences across that insurance value chain from customer acquisition through handling digital interaction. We mentioned those earlier all the way through the claims process. That collection, we aggregate that, our science department, and uh, calculates that uh, and aggregates those results, provides that in the form of a ranking and insights. So we then make that available to consumers so that they can make informed choices around who they want to select as their insurance carrier, and then also carriers. Uh, And we charge carriers for access Mm -hmm. to those insights. So there is a a fee if you want to subscribe to those those studies to be able to get access to those that's the primary business that we're in but it's all precedent you know precedented on our ability to remain independent and we pride ourselves as the voice of the consumer and it really is um focused on being able to uh do our best to be able to uh reflect what consumers want and we feel like that's the ability to best serve the clients uh, and, and the carriers that we work with across the industry. 
Yeah, I want to follow up on that point because um, I have a, a close friend in the insurance industry, an executive and a carrier, who said to me, who doesn't rank on your <laughs> one of the lists I'm looking at right now, um, but anyways, he said that the problem with J.D. Power is, is that you can pay to play. Is that the case? That is not the case. And in fact, that, you know, being a customer of J.D. Power, when I was at Farmers, I, you know, there was questions about that, right? But I can tell you that there is a very strict separation between what we do on the science side and what we do in my role on the practice side and being able to talk about the results, interpret the results, and be able to work with carriers to improve their, their products and service. The way that it really is done is that we, we go out, we profile the top carriers based exclusively on market share. So there's a cutoff and we're not allowed to skip based on market share. So you'll see those that are profiled uh, one through 20, you won't see one, 15, five, 30, right? So it's, it, it is, we have to go one, one through 20 in terms of market share. Then we make that information available. And for those carriers that uh, want to have access to it, we make that available to them. And we've been very successful in that. We, fortunately, we, we have relationships with every single major top 20 insurer in the U.S. So we must be doing something right uh, because they value the insights and the, and the independence that we provide them. So I would like to ask you one more thing. We're getting close here to the end. You said that brand draws people in and that price can seal the deal. What driver makes people leave insurance companies? Two major factors. And now this isn't exclusive, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things. Just like brand isn't the only thing that drives you. There could be a number of different factors. But when we look at on a percentage basis, it's about 34% of the reason what drives people in while close is, is one of the highest percentage. But to answer your question on the retention side, it, it's price and execution. We look at this, there's a, a couple of things. One, uh, price has risen in importance to consumers significantly over the last five years. The price of in, uh, auto insurance has risen at about two times the rate of inflation over the last five years. And what that means is that it's becoming a larger part of household expenses, right? It's a bigger price tag item uh, for for the average family. And so prices become a larger and larger factor. In fact, as we see overall satisfaction rise, the divide between overall satisfaction and price satisfaction has never been wider. Uh, within the industry. Now, we do believe that there is an end to this and it's starting to slow. One of the factors is that the market softened over the last 18 months. Um, so uh, insurance carriers haven't taken rate at the rate that they had been, uh, which we believe is, is helping offset some of that. And then there's some other factors down the road that they may help with that. But certainly price has, has been a, a major factor. The second, and it's 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 nearly forty um, percent, uh, and in fact, fifty five percent of customers uh, cite what we call these acid rain events um, as driving them to shop. And what we so what what do we mean by an acid rain event? It's a 
it's an interaction between the carrier and customer that the carrier does something to the customer that they don't like, that the carrier has complete control over, right? So something that they wouldn't have control over is that the customer moved, right? So that's not something that any carrier has, but something that they would, and I'll give you a couple of examples. One would be billing errors, right? So is that the end of the world that you have an error in your billing? Well, no, um, but uh, those little events, considering that the insurance industry itself has such few interactions, is a low-touch industry, right? You only get, uh, we, we compared insurance, which averages about 12 interactions a year, compared to, let's say, banking, which has over 100, 120 interactions. So those very few interactions, you better get them right when they happen. And every time that you have one of these acid rain events, the overall shopping rate doubles. So one, the two to three, it, it just goes as, as a factor, uh, you know, over and over again. So your, your ability to mitigate these uh, acid rain events is something that, um, that carriers have complete control over and is, like I said, one of the main reasons that, uh, that customers choose, choose to shop. We've had a soft one on from Hippo and several of, of his team members on, which has been a privilege to talk with them and, and pick their brains about their view of insurance, how they see it changing, how they're going about changing it, their viewpoint. And I, if I could sum it up with one word, I would say that Asaf sees it as a proactive approach. What do you think about that kind of strategy? I mean, you're a strategist you're, and you have all this data about what people are interested in what matters to them. Do you see that as a important or winning tactic to the strategy to the future of insurance in America? I think one of the hallmarks where insurtechs and particularly HIPPO have done very well is being able to address underserved segments of the market. Those that have been disenfranchised from your traditional quote unquote insurance experience, which has been largely undifferentiated across the industry, right? You, right. A lot of the top carriers provide a similar experience. So your ability to offer new capabilities, things that you mentioned around proactive, right? Uh, risk mitigation are, are things that will luckily have uh, appealed to certain segments of the market. We are big fans of exploring new ways to be able to drive better customer experiences. And these are new innovations that are badly needed across an industry that is not very incentivized to innovate. You know, it is one of the few products out there that is mandated by the government, uh, auto insurance. So yes, so we we welcome that. Is that a a correct application for every carrier out there? Uh, Probably not, right? Um, Each carrier has different strategies around where they want to carve out their niche in the marketplace and how they are better positioned to serve a market that a competitor cannot. So overall, those types of innovations, whether it's the preventative risk mitigation or it's just enhanced digital experiences that we're seeing through others, those are all welcome innovations to the industry. And uh, we we would want to see more of it. And especially a lot of things that are on the horizon uptick around UBI. One of the bigger thing, one of the bigger major changes is the introduction of ADAS features in vehicles into the into the U.S. auto park and the impact that that's going to have on the 
What's just, that? It's it's the automated vehicle. Okay, right, right, right. It's all the way from you know zero through fully automation, right? Correct. And that's something that's been accelerated by COVID as uh, consumers are uh, being attracted by these new new financing rates that the OEMs are offering to entice consumers to go up there and, and buy vehicles, which is you know changing over uh, you know the percentage of vehicles on the road that have some level of ADAS feature standard with them. And so these are all things that the insurance industry have traditionally not done well at being proactive about. So when carriers such as Hippo and others go out there and offer these capabilities that, that start you know, looking at risk in different ways and measuring, monitoring, and preventing it, uh, we're, we're, we're all for that. We have eaten up a lot of your time today, and uh, we're we're very grateful for it. And as we go through this, I've decided that we need to have a two-part Tom Super J.D. Power episode. And I hope you'll join us again soon because I really we didn't even really have a chance to dig into the insights that you're on the forefront of understanding and having the opportunity to uncover. And I would love to share that with our audience, the insights, maybe some of your methodology about how you go about it, as well as your look at the future. Because I think that's one of the things that many people in our audience are curious about what all of this data is telling you. I'm sure it's pointing, all this data is pointing in a direction that you guys kind of have a preview on or a best guess of of what it means for two, three five years from now, including, of course, the effect of COVID as well, which in the auto business has been enormous, right? Yeah, we, uh, I would welcome that opportunity. We have uh, we produce and release studies throughout the year that take a deep dive approach to a number of the topics that we feel the industry is very uh, passionate about. We, in fact, have had a ongoing uh, fielding around COVID expectations. And, and to your point, it's it's been anyone that thinks that they can predict what's happening with COVID is is, is going to be proven largely largely incorrect because it's such a fluid and fast changing space that's happening. You know what what happened? We saw we had, we partnered with Cambridge Mobile, Telematics, and so uh, TransUnion partnerships just to evaluate consumer sentiment through that difficult time and attitudes in early April where you saw miles driven bottom out at like 50% of, of normal and what their what their predictions on the future were are very different than weeks later, right? Where we stand today uh, even. Um, so very fluid, uh, very, very fast moving situation that has tremendous uh, implications for the, for the industry itself. Yeah, I would welcome the opportunity to share with you the insights as we learn them. And that's something that, like we talked about at the top of the show, uh, grab a beer and and geek out with me for a little bit. Maybe that's what we'll do. Episode two will be with a beer. and But we're going to do that. And we're just telling our audience right now, we're going to do that really soon because there's so much more here um, that's important for all of us insurance people to understand that Tom has a, a front row seat too. So we really want to thank you for today. Thank you for your time. And, yes, thank um, you. and we're going to have Alicia get with you about that part two to this. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks, Rob. Lee. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
you know, Lee, while we were in that podcast, during that podcast, and as Tom was talking more and more about range of stuff that J.D. Power does and the kind of insights that they have, it really made me think there's so much there, right? It's data. They're a data company. Yeah, they they capture tons and tons and tons of, of data. And then they're able to report on it. And it's a really important product, right? A lot of people put a lot of faith in their data being accurate Correct. and telling a real good, solid story. Right. You know, when you see the awards on television, like I've gone into Amica claims offices before, and mm -hmm. I think in all the claims offices, they have a, a J.D. Power trophy in there because they've yeah. won it many, many times. I never thought in terms that what's behind that really is a data company. Right. <laughs> you think about it in terms, they, they give awards. They name the top this and the top that. But really, it, that's just the end product, so to speak, that's based on all this data that they've accumulated. Yeah, I've never really thought about the company behind the award. Right. right? I always think about, let's say, Amica or Geico or somebody, they, they get it. I think about, oh, let's talk about them and how good they are and all that. I never think about what it takes to actually capture all that all that data. And in fact, I keep ask, I keep thinking of all the questions that I still have for Tom. And I really hope that we can get Tom back on because I think we could fill up a whole nother episode with questions about J.D. Powers. Well, we, I already have our Cracker Jack content producer, Alicia Moss, on uh, lining up at second episodes, which will happen soon. And because there's so much more to discuss, uh, I mean, just little things that he dropped, like the top 20 PNC carriers in the United States are all customers of theirs. Yeah. Which, which just goes to say, they have something that's really important that large companies need. Mm -hmm. and have access to. Very interesting. It is. I was. I, I liked how he talked about the insurance world, that price will, uh, is such a leader. You know, we didn't even talk that much about customer service and about customer engagement. We did a little bit about customer engagement, but not that much about customer service. And that's mm -hmm. really what I always think about J.D. Powers uh, for some reason. So I'd love to be able to visit with them more about that. And what are the big drivers? What is in their findings? What really produces a great customer service? Experience. Right, experience. Right. Yeah. Experience. And what is it about those companies that are at the top? Right. What really separates them? What separates them? And I, I'm willing to bet you that between industries, from one industry to the other, you see similarities in the way that, that those companies interact with their customer base. Um, or the, the experience that they deliver, there's probably similarities that can be taken mm -hmm. and applied to any industry, right? Any product right. almost, or any vertical, if you will. So, yeah. Super appreciative to Tom, huh? Very. Look what I did there. What a, what a super guy. Great guy. Super interview. Super interview. Super discussion. This is a super outro. Uh huh. I bet he has a super house and a super family. Mm -hmm. I'm just a super nice guy. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna have to we're gonna have to uh, explore all those the next time that we uh, have a super interview with him. I agree. I agree. Okay, so uh, we thank Tom and we thank JD Power for providing us with Tom, and we thank all of you for being with us and for listening and putting up with us the way that you do. And we look forward to seeing you next time. And until then. Goodbye, everybody.